serve a God that is uh, faithful and uh, true. We serve a God that's been abundantly faithful in my life. And He's good. Praise God, He's good. So I want to speak to you a little bit this morning about God's faithfulness to us. This past week, I was in, uh, took a little trip with my wife. We went down to some Amish country down in Pennsylvania. And uh, that was pretty cool. And uh, on the way home, we stopped in New York City. And we went to the 9-11 Memorial. Anybody ever been there? A few people? Not yet? You've heard of it? Seen pictures maybe? Yeah, it's beautiful. And um, so it was pretty, uh, it was an emotional kind of thing, you know, to be there and to be a part of, um, you know, what took place on that day and walking around and reading the names of the people who died. And um, we spent some time at St. Paul's Cathedral and seeing all the ministry work that they did there to help these people who were um, going in and trying to dig out and to recover, you know, from, from what took place there. And so this memorial, there's these two ponds and they're 30 feet deep and they have waterfalls on four sides of the square and they sit in the footprints of where the Twin Towers used to stand and um, they're beautiful they're surrounded by the names of all the people who have passed and then in the ponds, they go even deeper there's a section in the middle where the waterfalls go even down even farther into the ground but with all that being said in that park are trees they're beautiful but there's, uh, when the park is finished, the memorial is finished, there's going to be 400 trees in there that are all going to be this, um, this white oak. And um, there'll be 401 trees in there. 400 of them will be that tree, um, those type of trees. The other one that's there, the 401th tree, is called the survivor tree. Has anybody heard of it? Maybe not. It's okay. Survivor tree. So this tree is a, a calorie... I don't know if I'm saying it right. Calorie pear tree. And it flowers in the springtime. Um, and the reason why it's called the survivor tree is it was in the park originally that was there surrounding the World, Trainers, World Trade Center Towers. This tree was the only tree standing after the t- towers came down. And when it, the towers came down, when it was all said and done, the people who found this tree, it was really just a stump didn't have any branches. It was just eight feet tall stump of wood sticking out of the ground. So, this tree is dead by all rights. You know, we're looking at it and we would look at it and it's nothing to us. It would look like, you know, it's dead. We're going to have to tear this thing out and, and uh, start new. But they didn't. Somebody took the time to take that tree and uproot it, take it somewhere else and plant it and spend time working on it. And after much time, the tree came back to life and it began to grow limbs and it began to flower again. And um, it grew to be 30 feet tall, which is what it is now. And in 2010, it was put from another park in New York City back into this memorial park for people to, to kind of remember what took place there. And as I was walking through the park and spending some time looking at this thing, I was thinking about... Um, my life and had some time to reflect on um, where God brought me from and what he had done in my life and how faithful he was to me to allow me to continue to grow. And when storms came and things took place in my life, he was still faithful to me. 
And so that's what I want to talk about, just for a few minutes, about how God is faithful to us. Um, oftentimes we hear how we need to be faithful in our faith. We need to really um, have faith in God, and we do. But even when we don't, we lack our faith, God is still faithful to us. And so I want to take a couple minutes, and we'll look at a scripture in Matthew. And... Matthew, verses, uh, Matthew 14, and uh, the main text we're going to talk from is verses 22 through 33, but I want to uh, take a step back for a few scriptures before, before that and start in verse uh, 13. And when you're doing Bible studies and you're reading the Bible and you're studying His Word, I'd recommend that you kind of um, read around the scripture that you really want to study, because oftentimes... That will set in context what your scripture is saying. It'll set, kind of paint the picture of what took place around that time. Sometimes it's going to be you know, from a geographic location or from a, uh, some sort of... I don't want to really call it a story because these aren't just stories that we're reading in the Bible. These are accounts of what things that really took place, right? But with that being said, God is faithful. He's been faithful to me. You know, there's... Sometimes there's, uh, let's say, probably in this room, there's probably people who have um, been through church and been through storms in life and can testify that God's been faithful. There's probably some here that don't know Christ and know the fact that God can be faithful to them. There's different levels of experience with God that just sit in this room today. But let's start in verse 13. And this is where uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000. It says, When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew himself by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, healing their sick. So we see he's healing. Evening approached, and the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that we can go to the villages and, and so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, "They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat." Jeez. Jesus told them what to do. It was kind of, "Hey, don't send them away. You give them something." And they said, "We are here and only have uh, five loaves of bread and two fish." They answered, and Jesus said, "Bring them to me." And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces that were left over. So there was plenty for everybody. They took some more for themselves. And there's twelve disciples, they had twelve baskets. They each, I would imagine, they probably, man, this is awesome. We each have our own basket, we get to eat some food, and we don't have to go buy something now, you know? The number of those who were fed were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So, in that little account of what took place there, they said it was 5,000 men. If there was one woman for every man, that's 10,000 people. And to keep it conservative, let's say there was um, one child for half the people. That's 12,500 people, roughly, that were fed with five loaves and two fish. Pretty neat, right? Where would your faith be if you had just witnessed this miracles of Jesus healing people? Then he sits them down and he takes five loaves and two fish and he breaks them 
blesses them, then breaks them. All these people eat, and there's still 12 baskets left over. Where do you think your faith would be? you think it would be here, or do you think it would be down here? you think you have a little bit of faith, a lot of faith? The Bible says that when we, when we accept Christ, He gives every man a measure of faith. So all of us have faith. It's just a matter of how much we have. Right? But after seeing something like this, I think our faith would be high. I know mine would be. My faith would be, I believe you, Lord. Yes, I believe that you can take care of me. I believe that you're going to watch over me. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he, he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They thought it was a ghost. They said and cried out in fear. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. Then Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come on to you and come onto the water. Jesus says, Come. Then Peter got out of, down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me! It wasn't just a, Lord, save me. He cried out. He was pleading, save me, I'm sinking. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. O ye of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they landed in Genesaret. So the disciples headed to the other side of this lake. I did a little research. The, the lake they're talking about here is the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is 21 miles tall and 8 miles wide. I'm not sure where this city lays out into there. But another, there's a, several accounts in the Bible... There's two others, for sure, of this same um, account. And they talk about, um, in John, I believe it is, where they refer to the distance that they were from the land. And it says somewhere between 25 and 30 furlongs. A furlong is equivalent to one-eighth of a mile. So they were somewhere between three and four miles away from shore when Jesus came walking to them. Now, if they were going from side to side on this lake, they're halfway out. If they're going north to south, they're somewhere not even a quarter of the distance to where they want to go. So they're in the middle of this lake somewhere, and here comes Christ. He's walking out to them. And they've obeyed him. They got in the boat. They went to the side. And here he comes. Comes walking. They're scared. He says, it's me. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. And he calls him and says, come on out. He steps out. Now, there's 12 disciples in this boat. He's the only one that steps out, which I find pretty amazing, right? 
So he steps out, he looks at the Lord, begins to walk, and then begins to sink. And he said, Lord, save me, I'm, I'm sinking, you know. And, and Jesus reached out his hand, picked him up, and said, O ye of little faith. Now here they're coming from this place where they've just watched Christ heal people, heal the sick. I'm sure that, we probably, that he probably saw people walking after have been bedridden or have uh, their sight was healed or maybe it was the woman with the issue of blood you know where she was seeking doctors who knows but there was these miracles that took place and then he fed them and then they get in the boat the only one that's got any faith at all to step out of the boat to come to him was Peter out of 12 guys that have witnessed all these faithful things that God just did these things that would build our faith well with this scripture, there's a few things that I want to point out. I have kind of like three and a half points that I want to talk about for just a couple minutes that we can learn from this account of Peter stepping out in the water and God's faithfulness to Peter. I don't want to talk about Peter's faithfulness to Christ and his faith. Oftentimes we read the scripture, it's the, what's really talked about is the lack of Peter's faith. Well, he's human. He's not Christ, first of all, right? So, he's human. We're, we're going to lack in faith sometimes. It's not always going to be at the top of our game when it comes to our faith. But first, in this example in verse 29, some things that God is faithful to. Number one, God is faithful to call. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom ye are called unto the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We know that he's faithful to us. I don't know where it would be if it wasn't for God's faithfulness in my life. But I have some ideas because I was headed down a road that wasn't leading to him. So with that being said, let me tell you a little bit about my background. When I was, um, when I was in, uh, let's say, let's start in middle school, I began to, um, I kind of grew up in church. Let's start there. I grew up hearing the, the word knowing about the Lord. Um, I have two friends with me today that I grew up with. In fact, uh, Rachel, he's in the green shirt here, was one of my youth leaders when I was a young man coming up in church. And um, So he can attest to some of what I'm telling you and the things that I went through and speak about them, maybe, if he chooses to. But, so in middle school, I began to just uh, kind of not really want anything to do with church. I kind of went because I was told I had to. If I wanted to stay under my parents' roof, I had to go to church. So it really wasn't an option. I had to go. And I uh, spent all this time in school kind of separating myself from that, that guy who was a Christian and that guy who in elementary school couldn't, you know, go to church on, go to, couldn't go to school on Halloween uh, because I was a Christian. I couldn't do these different things. We didn't, you know, we celebrated Christmas, but we didn't, we didn't recognize Santa. And... Um, couldn't have a beard and, you know, just some fun stuff. But God was faithful to me. So I'm walking down this path and I'm not really following Christ, kind of just doing my own thing. And I get, go from middle school, get into high school, and now I'm starting to get myself wrapped up. I'm going to school in what? From, from this area, we would call a city. It's 50,000 plus. It was, I, I was going to school in Manchester. I started getting myself involved and hanging out with people who were in gangs. Um, this is back in the 90s. I was in, in high school. Gangs were pretty popular in this area for 
uh, for that time. I don't know how they are now because I haven't really been a part of that culture. But at this time, they were. And so I started doing things that I shouldn't have. I got put on probation with being in a gang. And I started stealing, started selling drugs, started doing drugs. And they weren't heavy things. You know, I wasn't doing crack or anything like that. But I was smoking weed, selling weed to make some extra money, you know. Because I wanted to be that cool guy that had everything and had the nice clothes and had the pagers and the cell phones and all these things. So, I get myself arrested. And it's like, oh boy. And it was kind of a, a small wake-up call of saying, you know what, this really isn't who you are or who you should be. I knew better, and I was taught better. And uh, I wish I could tell you at that very moment in my life, it was a, a complete turnaround where I accepted Christ and fell on my knees and said, God, I need you, and I want to serve you the rest of my days. It didn't happen. But it was a wake-up call. So I got arrested, and I get put on probation, and I got to do community service. And um, so I started volunteering at a convalescent home, which was pretty cool. It was fun stuff. I got to run rec programs and call out the bingo numbers and all that stuff for these senior citizens and had some fun experiences. But when it was all said and done, they offered me a job, which was cool. Here I am, this guy who was... um, in here in the first place on a probation and on the fact that I have to do these community service hours and uh, you know like I said I began to turn my life around at that point but not to follow Christ but just to say you know what I no longer need to be doing these things I don't need to be stealing I don't need to be something I'm not because it really wasn't my nature I knew better but I was trying to be something I wasn't and the point of the story, let me, when I get through this, just so you can see God's faithfulness, he still was calling me, still had a plan for me. God's faithful to call his people. So, I do this community service, get this job, it leads to other jobs, and I spend most of my time working. In uh, 1995, um, my grandmother gets sick with cancer. She's 56 years old, and uh, she's young. She, uh, she ends up, we're all there, she ends up dying in her living room after like two years of fighting this cancer. In 19, uh, 1995, she dies. And uh, the pastor of our church is there, and he's talking to everybody, and he says, he says uh, and he's praying, he's actually in a prayer, he said, Lord, let these grandchildren, and there was a number of us there, my cousins, um, my brothers let, let these grandchildren pick up her torch and carry it carry out what her plans were now my grandmother a year and a half before she got sick got, became a licensed minister and was planning to go out and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ on Indian reservations out in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana out in that area, that's where she was from she was part I want to think it was Cherokee she was part Cherokee so she wanted to go back to these Indian reservations and preach the gospel So he prays this prayer. God, let these grandchildren pick up a torch and carry it. What's that torch? The torch wasn't to take her vision and go to these Indian reservations. Her light and her torch was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, let them pick up this torch and carry it. And I think probably at that very moment, I realized in my heart that I needed to... um, really make a change that was beyond 
just a superficial, like, you know, natural change. I needed to make a spiritual change. I needed to change my heart. I needed to give it to him. And I, I don't know, it was a few weeks later, I think I was sitting in a service, and the, the minister was talking, and I looked down, and it's almost time to close. He's ready to give an altar service to, for people to come forth, and my shirt's going like this. My heart's pounding. I mean, I'm, I'm not... I used to be Pastor Jared's size when I'm, the time we're talking about here. I was six foot five and 210 pounds. My, my heart's going on like, just like this out of my chest. Now you probably couldn't see it. There's a little bit of meat there. So, it's... Right? So... I get up and I go to the altar and I ask Christ to forgive me, wash me clean, take away my sins. And he was faithful to do that. Right? And I'm sure some of you can attest that same thing, that he's been faithful to do that to you. My point is, in this story, is that God is faithful to call his people. He's faithful to call us. doesn't matter what circumstance we're in, whether, whether we've never come to know him, he's still calling to people. So many are called, few are chosen. Few really have chosen him. But many are called. He's calling people today. And we can see that in this scripture in verse 29, where he says, Come. He calls Peter, Come on out to me. Come on out to me. He's faithful. He's faithful to call. Verses 30 and 31. I can really separate these two points. He's faithful to forgive and he's faithful to deliver. Let's look at 30 and 31. 30, he says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? So he asked him, why did he doubt? But yet he was still faithful to reach down his hand. In this storm, now, there's winds going on like crazy, right? There's waves crashing around this boat. And he's, Peter calls out and says, God, save me. Jesus reached down his hand and still picked him up. He was sinking. He didn't just let him sink because he had no faith, right? He, let, he picked him up. He was faithful to deliver him. He was faithful to save him. John, 1 John, excuse me, 1 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As Christians, there's times where we where we stumble, we fall, we make a mistake, we sin against God. It happens. It's part of who we are. We're human. We have, you know, these times where we may fall. Or, um, but he's still faithful to reach down his hand to forgive us our sins. So we're going through storms in life. The waves are crashing around us. Things are taking place. Uh, he's still faithful to deliver us. And he's still faithful to forgive us. One of the things that the enemy will try to use is when you're in one of these places where you're going through these storms or these trials or these tribulations that are taking place and you make a mistake, the enemy is going to try to attack your mind and say, you know what? God doesn't love you. He's not going to ever forgive you. You're not worthy. You have no ability to serve the Lord. Just, you know, forget about it. Don't go back to doing that. You don't want to do that. That's not your thing. Know this, that Christ is faithful to deliver and he is faithful to forgive. No matter the situation, no matter the storm, no matter the trial, no matter who's saying what against you, He's still faithful to reach down His hand 
and to pick you up. You know, I think of that, sometimes I think of that poem where uh, footprints, I don't know if you've ever read it or seen it, a lot of people have them hang on their bathroom walls for some reason, I don't know why, right? So, footprints, the poem says that, you know, somebody's asking God, oh God, how come when times got tough, my feet are the only footprints that we see in the sands? And what does he say? He says, no, that was not your footprints. I didn't abandon you. I carried you through that storm. I carried you through that situation. God is faithful to reach down his hand and to save us and to carry us when we think we're in the toughest part of our life. We serve a faithful God. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer to be tempted above that you are able? But with the temptation, also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. When our faith seems lacking, there are, you know, when we feel like we have no faith at all, or very little faith, um, Christ said to Peter, how come you have little faith? There are times where we're not going to feel at the top of our game. I said this before, right? We're not going to feel like our faith is adequate enough for God to save us. But it's not. Him reaching down and delivering us, and Him reaching down and saving us, is not based on our faith. It's on His faithfulness to us that He does these things. Praise God. In 2005, end of 2005, early 2006, I was uh, starting my own business. And it was good. I did really well for a few years. And uh, I enjoyed it. And my purpose in starting my business was I wanted to spend time in doing the work of the Lord. I wanted a job that was going to allow me to make enough money that I could go to missions and I could work at my church and I could do these different activities. And for a little while, it worked really well. And in uh, 2008, let's say, somewhere around there, the end of 2008, November 2008, just just around Thanksgiving, the economy began, for me, began to take a turn. And I had grown my business my first year from about $110,000 billable. I wish I could say that's what I've made. It wasn't. But to where I had six employees and we were doing about half a million dollars in business, which was pretty good. But I was working 80, 90 hours a week. So all of a sudden, I lost sight of my purpose and what I had started this business for. So the economy tanks. I'm, I'm letting guys go. I'm losing my shirt. I'm going backwards. And... Eventually, I get a truck taken back from the bank, one of my work truck, my work truck, my main work truck. The bank repossesses it. And during this time, I had moved out of my house. I had begun to remodel it. I couldn't afford to finish paying for the work that needed to happen on this house. So in the end, I lose my house. And among other things, you know, I'm not doing really well financially anymore. hard to find work. When I find work, there's not much there. You know, so I'm working as a, my job, just so you know, I'm an electrician by trade. And so I get a, get a job and I'm working 
and you know, to support a family and to support coming from this place where I was making a whole bunch of money to this place where I'm making less than half of what I was making. And then even when I'm making the money, I'm not getting hours. So I'm really going backwards in this whole thing. And uh, my point in telling you is this, that God was faithful to me. When, when it was all said and done, I had to pray, God, I need a place to stay. I got no house. I'm living with family. It's this is me and my wife. By the way, I should tell you, my wife said to say hello. She, was, she couldn't make it this morning. She had to take my nephew to Sunday school. He had missed the last couple of weeks. I want to make sure you heard the word this week. But she says hello. So, moral of the story. I'm losing everything. And uh, it looks like there's no hope. It looks like there's no hope. My faith, if you could imagine, through this time is... Don't get me wrong, I loved the Lord. I was serving Him. But did I really believe and have faith that He was going to help me through these situations? And I would say that really when it was all... Looking back now, I would say I really didn't have the faith. I mean, like I said, I had faith that God was good and He was able to do these things. But did I really believe it down deep in my heart? I would say no. I really didn't believe that. But God was faithful to me. So I had prayed, and He provided an apartment for me and my wife. It was nice. And it was $550 a month, second floor apartment, beautiful hardwood floors and cabinets, gorgeous place, really neat that God provided this place for me. We could just barely afford it at this time, which was another story in itself, right? But we could barely afford it. And uh, I'm renting it from this Catholic priest who owns this house. And a Eight months into renting it, he says, "Nathan, I've had an emergency. One of the guy, one of the the other uh, priests is sick, and he's in wheelchair bound. He's going to need the first floor apartment, which was handicap accessible. And I need to move upstairs, so you're going to have to move out." And it's like, Lord, please! I just got in here. I'm just getting settled, but He provided for me. So I go to work the next day to send the guys at work. Hey, you know anybody's looking to? has an apartment open or a house for rent or something like this. And now I had been working a little while, so I was starting to build up some funds and uh, started to realize that I could maybe afford a little bit more than $550 a month. So the, the, uh, the guys at work are, you know what? I think I know a guy. He calls up his buddy that he grew up with. And he says, there's a house over in Vernon, which is a couple towns away from where I work and from where I live now. And uh, go take a look at it. You know, if you want it, he's willing to let you rent it. 600 bucks a month. So I get over it. It's a farmhouse. It's an older house. It sits on 72 acres. It's almost 3,000 square feet, which is huge for just me and my wife. But for 600 bucks a month, I'm like, I'll take it. I don't care. You know, if it's, if it's $700 a month, I'll take it. At this point, I've got to get out of here. My point in the story is that God, even though my faith seemed weak and there was all these things that were going on in my life, he was still faithful to provide for me. The storm, things did not look good. It looked like there was no hope of getting hours and making money and providing for my family. But God provided for me. He gave me a way that I didn't have to afford these $900 or $1,100 or $1,200 a month mortgage payments or, or rents. And He provided for me. He was faithful to me in the storms of my life, in the storms of my situations. And I know he's faithful. he can be faithful to you. God is faithful. He always provides for his people. The last point I want to make 
is he is faithful to the end. He's faithful to the end. Matthew 28 says, 28, 20 says, And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of age. He's faithful to the end. Let's look at um, verse 32 in our main text here. It was said, When they climbed into the boat, and the wind died down, those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So they, he's in the storm. Christ picks him up. The winds are still going. Things are still taking place. Storms of life are still raging around. But he gets in the boat, and immediately the storm stops. One of the other translations, or one of the other books that talks about this, in John, says immediately after they got in the boat, they were to the other side. There was no longer a wind fighting them. There was no longer a storm fighting them. He was faithful to get them to their end point. He was faithful to the very end. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and He will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what the situation is in your life, no matter the storm that's raging against you, no matter the trial that's taking place, doesn't matter if you're in the valley or on the mountaintop, He's never going to leave you or forsake you. We serve a faithful God. Lamentations three twenty-two through 23 It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Because of His faithfulness, because of His mercies, the storms of life, the situations we're in, can't consume us. They can't overtake you. They can't take Him away from you. He's there for you. His mercies, His compassions, they're new every morning. Greatest thy faithfulness. Our faith is not meant to get us out of hard places. It's not meant to change our painful condition. It is meant to reveal God's faithfulness to us in the midst of our dire situation. God does at times change our circumstances, but more often He doesn't. He's looking for us to change. He's not looking to change our circumstances. He's looking for us to change. We simply can't trust God's power fully until we experience in the midst of our crisis. This is the case that we saw with Peter. It was in the midst of his crisis where he lacked the most amount of faith, where Christ reached down to him, picked him up, and saved him. He delivered him from death, really. He could have sunk, could have died right there. The storm could have overtaken his life. He didn't let that happen. He was faithful in the midst of this crisis. Praise God. We think we're witnessing great miracles whenever God ends our storms and crisis. But we can easily miss the lesson of faith in such times. The 
lesson that says God will remain faithful to us through our hard times. He wants to raise us up above our trials through faith so we can say, my God can do the impossible. He's a deliverer and he's going to see me through. So, I started out talking about this survivor tree and how it had been it had come through the storms. It had come through this buildings falling on it. These tragedies, really. These circumstances that you would think were no good. Where there was no life and there was no ability for it to come back. But greater than that story of this tree that survived is our story. And what Christ did for us when he reached down and he says, I forgive you. I take you under my wing. When he delivered us and he saved us and carried us through the storms and caused the winds to stop blowing, caused the storm, you know, sometimes they didn't stop, but sometimes these storms still rage. But he's there with us and he's faithful to us. We serve a God who is faithful above the faithful. Praise God. He's good. We're going to take a minute and just listen to this song. And, uh, We'll reflect a little bit on what the Lord said this morning to you. Praise God.